A bowman has a right to a drink or two With a burying about what you will do We say yo-ho, but we don't say ho Cause ho is disrespectful, yo Hello, welcome to I Don't Get It, the sober pop culture get-off-my-lawn cast featuring the open-minded musings of two early 40s thoughtful curmudgeons staring down at the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I'm your co-host, Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises, and for this one episode only, I'm joined by special <laughs> guest star Noah Tarno of The Big Quiz See, Thing. here's the thing, Bill. I still have hope that we will attract new listeners someday, so <laughs> your little po-faced lies... <laughs> Uh, are more destructive. I've been here from. I've been here with you from the beginning, young That's sir. Right. Yes, I am Noah Tarno of the Big Quiz thing. You know, Noah Tarno has been a one from day one, booby. I never heard that before. That's clever. I like that. I go. I All go right. there with it. Yeah, a little yeah. Ken- Kendrick Lamar for you. You like a one steak sauce? That stuff's pretty good. When's Actually, the last time you had that. When I was a kid, I loved it. That tart, oh, tangy vinegar. So good. The so thing good. is, though, it's like when you get older, they tell you that steak doesn't need any kind of accompaniment. Like I feel like it's irresponsible to steak and the, the kind of care people take and dry. No, I'm just getting hungry thinking about this irresponsible i do remember the ads makes hamburgers taste like steak burgers yeah which i remember that confused me because i'm like well by that notion is a hamburger made of ham and then you get to <laughs> thinking about how silly the name cheeseburger is uh-huh. because it implies if a cheeseburger is a burger with a slice of cheese on it a hamburger is a burger with a slice of ham on it right but even and if, then you, you get if you get very if you, conf- and then they don't have hamburgers in hamburg they don't. So I'm no. just totally confused now. If you break it down, it should be a cheese hamburger. It should be a cheese beef burger. Yes, that's true. Right? But how do we even get to the term burger? It's like we've just, you know, sawed that sucker off. Because it was, now- someone called it, somewhat inaccurately, someone called it Hamburg steak. Yeah. And then someone said, all right, if we make a sandwich out of this, out of the Hamburg steak. Just shorten it to just, hamburger. Yeah, hamburger. You know, this is just, it just as easily could have been something else. It was the, the flapping wings of a butterfly somewhere that we ended up with hamburger and then burger as this universal thing. What a fucking ontological disaster we've created for. Now we have to, li- we have to see, live in I this think, world. I think that's the beauty of language and the English language more than other languages because we're more of a polyglot language is that it is interesting combination of stuff and how stuff mutates and changes. I mean, it's silly that we call it a hamburger. There's nothing wrong with that. To go back to your original point, steak sauce on a burger, yeah, definitely, because yeah. I feel like I'm not profaning steak. I don't put a steak sauce on a steak On anymore. a steak. What I kind of do is I like trade off like one bite without it, one bite with it. You know, if you get something like peppercorn sauce on it, a poivre, you I know, like made that. by the yeah. kitchen, yeah. that's some good stuff too. You know what I used to have? I used to have a burger with a fried egg on top and then A1 steak sauce. You should try that. It's like a heart attack in a bowl. Yeah, I'll tell you that. You eat your hamburgers in a bowl? No, I'm saying it's like a heart attack served in a bowl yeah you serve hamburgers in a bowl no it's just a vessel for the food the bowl is unimportant i'm telling you i'm just but using why it. are you why are you using a bowl for hamburgers i'm not using a bowl for hamburgers I'm, but you I, just I, said it's a I, I, I know i said it but i'm not using it as a, it's just a figure of speech it's like you say christ in a gravy boat he's not in a gravy boat it's just christ <laughs> All right, our topic today is key and peel. <laughs> it's not hamburgers. It's not and hamburgers. Not it's not steak sauce. sauce it's and not, not bowls. bowls. Yeah, our topic right. is key and peel today, and uh, we're yes. not just we're not just discussing key and peel the show because I think that's Which an outdated reference. We're discussing key and ago. peel as a sort of dual phenomenon, and that we've gotten the uh, emergence of these two 
incredible, uh, I was going to say young comedians, but I believe one of them's older than me and one of them's not much younger than me. They actually, eight year difference. Key was born in 71 yeah. and Peel was born in 79. So right. they're, we are in the middle. That's true. Yeah, we're, we are we're shooting right in the middle. Yeah. Uh, but you all know this, so, so sing along with me, right? Uh, uh, Keegan-Michael <laughs> Key and Jordan Peel are a pair of comedians who were a duo on Comedy Central until recently, 2015. They did that show, ran for five seasons, 53 episodes, all well-received. Um, since then, they've made a feature film, which is almost like the capper experience for that show, Valediction. It was 2016's Keanu. And they have managed to establish like career trajectories apart from one another with a whole raft of TV and film projects. It's like total proof of their graduation from the humble beginnings when they met on Mad TV, yeah. something like 12. 15 years ago or something like right. that. I, I find it interesting. What I read is that they were both up for basically the same slot on the show as, you know, new black guy. A diversity hire, yeah. They had never met or they had never worked together. And in the audition, they displayed such chemistry that the the, the casting directors or whatever said, well, let's hire them both. So uh, how do we feel about these gents, these fine, fine gents? Let's put our chips on the table, chips mm-hmm. on the table, cards on the table, and say why we pick this topic. Let's put our we, chips we, in a bowl. Let's put our <laughs> chips in a bowl with an egg and one steak sauce. Uh, we basically picked this topic because we wanted to, kind of for a change, we wanted to do something that we would both like unconditionally. I mean, we, we've tackled topics before that we both ended up liking. Death Note... I guess we both liked Riverdale. You know, there were other things we really enjoyed. But this is the first one I think we are both familiar with already. Yeah. And I think we both call ourselves fans. I love Keen Peel. I think they might be the two best comedians working today. I mean, the best, well, maybe not. I mean, I don't know, Louis C.K. maybe. But uh, but certainly on the quote-unquote young side. Um, I thought Keen Peel on Comedy Central is one of the best TV shows of the last 10 years by far. I thought, you didn't mention that... Uh, Peel, not Key, uh, this year directed, wrote Get Out. Yeah, I thought we'd work up to that, but yeah. Yeah, the the racially themed horror movie. I mean, I don't think Key was involved in it at all, and Peel didn't act in it. And that is a tremendously good movie, deserving of all the praise it's gotten on Mm -hmm. many levels. Um, I think these guys are terrific. I think they're both supremely talented comedians, and I think you put them together, and they really have. I can't think really of any comedic duos who show better chemistry than these two. I mean, they deserve to be in the A-list of comedic duos up there with, I know not a duo, but I, I think comedic teams, I think the Marx Brothers or whatever. So I think these guys are great. And I think Key and Peele was great, you know, studying up for the show, watching old sketches and watching sketches I had missed. And they are nine out of 10 times funny, worth watching. And even that one out of 10 time, not bad. So I think these guys are great. And I think they're saying interesting stuff. You know, we're at a very crucial point in terms of how race plays into our culture and plays into our pop culture and by that token plays into our comedy and i think they get it precisely right so i give these guys all the credit in the world and i'm glad they're doing well and i hope they stick around and keep doing well for a long time yeah i'd I'd like to thank regular listener and and podcast buddy of mine jamie hancock the the founder of wrong real which i appeared a number of times was the guy who suggested to me that we should just get on board with something that we both unreservedly love and i think that um, we're hoping to do that more uh, coming up. But yeah, Key and Peele, I think, was a great foray into this. Now, again, we're not breaking any ground here, but I, I just like the, the, t- the 2017 these guys have had just as good as the 2013, the 2014, 15, and 16 that these guys have had. They've kind of been on a rocket where they haven't made any fuck-ups. And yeah, yeah man, get out. Like, what a, what a deal that this yeah. guy zigzags 
you know, where you just don't think he's going to go. And it turns out, oh, he's a director, a, f- a feature film yeah. director who yeah. puts together like a classic uh, horror film that has a lot of like 1960s era social satire to it, like Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. It's like, how the hell did he manage to do with, this? This is With the very smart original racial twist to it, yeah. which is what makes it better than just a good horror movie. It's obviously saying something great, but it works so well as a postmodern, not even a postmodern, that's, that's, I was going to say that's yeah. inaccurate, as a modern horror film that has all these aspects of black man at the very end is, you know, a cop car shows up in front of him. The black man is covered in, in blood and there's, there's a white yeah. lady dead in front of him. And you think that, oh, great. This is one of those well, classic- Spoiler alert. Spoiler yeah, alert. people have Come seen on, it. Man. I'm spoiler sure people alert. have seen Wait, it. But it. Fuck it. Spoiler alert. Fuck right. it. Right. Fuck right. it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but you just think it's one of these classic George Romero endings where this guy gets yeah. through this gauntlet of hell only to get shot dead by a, a, a white policeman for, for murdering a white lady at the end. And it turns out to, you know, be there's like a weird zigzag ending. Yeah, it, it, the moves are very confident. I mean, and that, that that's just, yeah. you know, what, what Jordan Peele's been doing. Keegan-Michael Key has been all over TV. He headlined a TV show on Netflix made by Nick Stoller called Friends from College, which he was right. getting, even if the show was sort of, mediocrely reviewed you know he, he gets good reviews but he, he's on playing house the jessica st Clair and lennon parm right. show and he's on fargo right hey he was on fargo there i think they were both right. on season one of fargo they right. went to they're calgary and they did a small bit for that um, hey they're both in the video for my favorite hip-hop song of all time What's that? White and Nerdy by Weird Al Yankovic. That's right. I did read yeah. that too. How yeah. about that? I read this. This is crazy. They said fucking Keegan Michael Key. He was in Hamlet. He played Horatio opposite of really uh, of Isaac Where? Uh, Oscar Isaac. Yes. Where? Like what? What a what a steamroll. I mean, that's seriously. great. That's incredible. Oh, wait, wait. With Oscar Isaac as Hamlet? Yes. I think. Oh my was... god, that must have been great. <laughs> well, it was a short. I want to see that. It was a short run. I think Oscar Isaac maybe did it like thirty times, and it wasn't at the Delacorte or anything like that. It was up. It was on Broadway. Oh, of course, um, it was on it was Broadway. A, man, I'm so out of touch. Now. It was on Broadway, but it's not. A, no, it, I think it was probably at the beginning of the year, something like that. Uh, it was in July. Yeah, the public theater. It so was I at guess the, pub, it was yeah, at the, the Delacorte. But yeah, that's like what a what a role. Uh, if the veracity of the story, the two of them kind of like tilting for the same position in Fox's, uh, you know, comedy landscape, and then somehow using their Wonder Twin powers to beat traditional casting mores and saying oh we'll hire two black dudes this is you know you always like to see this where talent wins out where the cream rises to the top where you know quality is rewarded last time we were talking about adam levine and this is like oh really this crap is the gold (laughs) standard so it's always nice to see when good stuff becomes the gold standard yeah and i have in my notes here almost exactly what you said I'll, i'll paraphrase what you said it's like everything went the way it's supposed to go for talented people yeah, you know, they were in the right place to capitalize on Mad TV. They were discovered and shepherded by powerful producers. You know, they were allowed to flourish in Comedy Central. They had the right group of people. I mean, Ian Roberts of the UCB, one of the original UCB members, and uh, Becky Drysdale was one of the original writers of that. They, my my old uh, summer camp and high school community theater buddy Becky Drysdale, I must say. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah, because... Oh, yeah, I go back with Becky. Uh, but yeah, now that they won an Emmy and they won a Peabody for their show, this is what is like, how many other people can say that they're getting to do what they want to do without selling a single splinter of credibility? Yeah. I, I, unless I'm it's, missing it's some tough. big... It's tough. Yeah, I, I don't think I'm missing but some weak spot here. But. I feel like comedy, more than almost any other art form, rewards talent. I mean, not always, you know. I mean, there's Dane Cook, whatever. 
And, uh, you know, we'll, we talked about Aziz Ansari, but, I, you know, how I, we think his stand-up is terrible, but he's clearly a talented guy because Master of None is great. I think comedy, more than most other art forms, the cream rises to the top, talent is rewarded, you can't succeed without... A, working hard, and B, mastering your craft to some level. You know, talent matters, and hard work matters. Yeah. And I really admire that about it. Yeah, talent so, plus the canniness yeah. to use it, and then the work ethic on top of that. The yeah. fact and, that that, and look, luck is always the X factor, and luck is always a huge aspect. Well, going back and watching some of these sketches, like, you know, I, I went to, like, whatever, like, Uproxx and BuzzFeed. What are the 10 most recommended? Who are their lists? All these various media outlets, the deciders.com of the world. What are they saying are, like, the 10 best list? And it's funny that, that none, there's no overlap. It's, like, everyone's 10 best really? lists have, awesome. like, two 10, se- 10 separate sketches in each case. And they're all... Really? Like, Wait, I, the, the football players is in, in every sketch? No, every that's list? what I'm saying. It's like, no. And, and, the and substitute this, teacher? I feel like there are a few sketches that are like the famous ones. Uh, yeah, they are, but there's so many you can choose from that you could yeah. like, do without overlap. I mean, you have five seasons, and they, they, they were compulsive. Yeah. It's like 12 episodes. Oh, my God. Five... Vulture has all 298 sketches ranked. Ranked, yeah. I now I want to watch what they say is the worst one. I want to watch that. I can't remember, but I cl- you know, specifics, but I clearly remember watching some Key Peel sketches and going, that wasn't very good. But... Whatever. These guys are artists. That's going to happen. You know what? The one that I actually don't like is the two valets, uh, the Liam Neeson's one. And yeah, the, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I don't like that. And, I, I, uh, I, get the, I get the game. The game seems very obvious, but I kind of think it's just the game. Like, it's not any of the writing. It's more just like watching the two of them play the game with each other, which is great because that's what they do best than anything else. But, you know, the, 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 more, the more perfect conception of their work is the well-written sketch plus the game that they do between the two of them. I didn't see the Gremlins pitch. Did you ever see the Gremlins 2 pitch sketch that, that they did? No, but, but that sounds pretty funny. Yeah, it's set, it's set in this meeting where, where Keegan-Michael Key is the uh, development executive around the table with all these guys, and they're all dressed like it's 1986. You know, just really hyperbolic 80s style. Jordan Peele walks in looking like Meshach Taylor from uh, Mannequin. Yeah. Sure, And sure. he just runs around the table at this pitch session just like going through the various gremlins that showed up in the movie and wondering how would you get to that point where you have an election? Uh, you know what? I think I saw this. Yeah. I saw it at some point. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. and his, totally. his 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 catchphrase, the thing he keeps repeating is, it's in the movie. Like someone brings up something ridiculous. All right, how about a spider gremlin with eight legs? It's in the movie. They find funny, you know, it's funny. And that's the litmus test of this crap. I feel I need to say, I don't know if my one, but certainly my big quote-unquote problem with Key and Peele is that, so in preparation for this, I watched Keanu, their movie from last year. Um, I believe, did they write it? Did they co-write it? They started yeah. it. They didn't yeah, direct they wrote it. it. And it's a, it's a comedic action movie. You know, they get in this misadventure when Peel's, Peel is depressed and his, he finds a kitten and he loves the kitten and the kitten is kidnapped by drug dealers and, and the two of them, you know, Weasel, the two of them play these wimpy, like suburban dudes in LA, and they weasel their way into among these and drug dealers to get the cat back and misadventures, and they almost get shot a thousand times. Blah blah blah. I did not think Keanu was very good, but what could have been a just not good movie was still elevated somewhat by the fact that Key and Peele still shown the two of them together still you know made that alchemy happen. too rich. Oh, well. Thanks so much for coming in, Adam. Of course, and you better stay away from that Chinese food. Oh my crowd. god, you got that right. That's <laughs> doing a number on my stomach. Oh, like, no. a oh, 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 here's your fortune. You're going to be sick in a half hour. 
Okay, so why are these guys popular? As if that's a mystery to figure out between the two of yeah. us. Comedy, cream rises to the top because they're good, because they're funny. But also, as I said before, we've reached a real pivot point with our you know, racial discourse in the country, and they tackle it in a very fun, accessible, entertaining way. They started the show in 2012, and, and thankfully, they're both biracial, by the way. We need to say that. They're yeah. both... Uh, white mom, black father. Here they are. They're, in some ways, even apart from the talent, they're the perfect comedians for the Obama era, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. one of them does this great Obama impersonation and, and possibly their most famous series of sketches, which we haven't mentioned, is Luther the Anger Translator. Yeah, you all so, know that one, exactly. Yeah, Peel is playing Obama, sitting there calm, doing the, people say, I don't show emotion, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Key runs in screaming and yelling. And basically, <laughs> Obama will say something like, I know, Republicans, we have disagreements. And Key just yells like, why don't you motherfuckers listen to me? You're like, I can't do it, obviously. And just how perfect is yeah. that? It's, so it's, the right the right comedians for the Obama era, they're exploring these racial issues in a smart and entertaining and colorful way. So many of their sketches tackle race. I mean, I rewatched that one where they're they're on the slave auction. Have you seen that? Oh Jesus, that's brutal. It's so funny. It's ridiculous. I mean it's brutal, but it's basically the thing is Key and Peel are up on it's like the eighteen forties and they're at a slave auction. And they're up there on the stage shirtless. And it's the two of them and a third guy. And at first, the third guy, you know, he's, he's, he's in better shape than they are. So everyone, everyone bids on the third guy and buys him. Then another guy who's taller than them, everyone bids. And at first, they're like, hey, you know, if they buy me, I'm gonna, they better kill me in the first day because I'm going to revolt. But, like, as the other guys kept getting bought, no one bids on Key and Peel. They get pissed. <laughs> they get, and they get jealous. They get resentful. like, why won't you bid on me? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm very pliable. Like, hey, they just dragged me on the boat, and I said, okay. <laughs> No you violence know, I mean, for me. Right. So, like, here we're like the springtime for Hitler kind of, yeah. you know, obviously yeah. white people couldn't do this. But mm -hmm. it's not that they get a pass because they're black or they're, they're biracial. But it's because they don't flinch from the dirty truth while still being funny. I mean, yeah, yeah, they hit it the it's right dark way. humor. It's not for everyone. But, they hit, yeah, they hit the nail on the head that, like, buying people is awful. But, like... Why won't you buy me? What's wrong with me? I mean, you could say there's nothing funny about that, and I guess I respect that opinion, but I'm strongly of the opinion that there's a time and place for everything, especially in comedy, and I literally think there is no topic that is 100% off limits for comedy. Granted, yes, some topics you got to be careful. Slavery, sexual assault, you know, you got to be careful if you're going to be funny about that, but if you get it right... I think it's fair game. They get it. And, you know, they have the insight and they have the experience that enables them to get it. And then, of course, Get Out, I think, even better is like, all right, well, how are things different now that, that the Obama era is over? And we're in the backlash to the Obama era. Get Out, like, you know, you can see, I'm sure he was planning Get Out before he knew that Trump would win. But like, like, all right, well, maybe it's time to not do racial comedy. Maybe it's time to do racial horror. I strongly contend... That if Clinton had won and Trump had been, you know, disgraced and was a joke, that Get Out would not have been as successful as it was. It would have had a different meaning, no doubt it about that. It would have that. much different meaning, and it wouldn't have been the hit or the influence or the sensation that it is. 
Yeah. You know, I um, would think of their popularity. Again, we have the show as preamble. And, you know, I think you did a great job of, of elegizing the show. Um, well, thank you. It's worth looking at where they are now because they are continuing as this sort of dual phenomenon. You get two for the price of one, even though they may not work again or they may work again in a very different context. They're doing different things. And I believe that the popularity of the show and how well they executed their their sketch show was a great entrance into other forms of comedy and entertainment and the fact that they're so canny that keegan michael key winds up having this uh, dramatic engine you know uh, did you see mike birbiglia's movie um don't think twice that the improv movie i, I didn't i didn't i heard it was good though. yeah it was uh, I, I liked it a lot um and he he was playing something very close to his own comfort zone where he was an improviser in a group with other people and and he just shows that he's got a lot of chops you know he's bought himself a lot of time and a lot of runway to experiment and still wind up being very charming very funny it could be tragic at times it could be sad it could be angering uh, you know like these guys are now in the conversation they have since they came in with a sketch show but it's amazing to come in on you know in one way we get to know them as these comedians and you know they franchised out into feature film directors and to Broadway actors. That that is like yeah. a raft of success that I don't recall yeah. seeing. What you usually wind up getting is that when you have a powerful duo who comes in through comedy, one of them usually Peter Scolari's, yeah. and the yeah. other one winds up Tom Hanking it. Tom Hanksings. Tom yeah, Hanksings Hanksing. it. Yeah and, yeah, and it's like that didn't happen here. You didn't have to yeah. sort of sell one over the other. Well, where... I, I I think these two are more of a duo. I mean, as good as Hanks and Scolari were on Bosom Buddies, they didn't go into it as a duo. For bringing up Get Out, like you said, and the idea that there's a, an Obama backlash and the fact that they are biracial or even, you know, black, but biracial, yeah. they identify as biracial. What the hell would we know? But I think biracial informs people's thinking and informs oh, yeah. people's yeah. attitude on race in a way you know i mean uh, apparently peel was raised just by a white mother you know he was raised i mean i'm sure in many respects he's a lot like obama like that he appears black to the layman but his home (laughs) life was a white home in looking at the sketches in toto i i didn't realize just how much uh, code switching serves as the basis for a lot of their comedy and how rich a vein that is of something that when you get it right there's something very specific that winds up informing all these funny sketches I mean everybody I think is used to code switching now in society in that you do have all these people who wind up talking one way to one person and another way to another person it's taking the idea of code switching which has always been in comedy for sure mm-hmm. but it's it's um, amplifying it it's really making it the text next I don't know Googly-eyed gremlin. But you do know, because you talk about a gremlin whose sole purpose in this film is just that he looks stupid as Yes, it can be in the movie, and it is in the movie. Done. Next. What about you, Silver Fox? Uh, electricity gremlin? You just said noun and gremlin, like you play in Mad Libs. You're just like a child. You have the brain of a child. You do not have a high IQ, but you haphazardly came up with a gremlin that's just made out of bolts that is zigzagging all over the room and is done completely in animation. You a crazy person, and your idea's in the movie! Done! So, Teenage Bill, what would Teenage Bill have thought if Kim Peel had been on his TV? You know, you have the, the, the structural phenomenon of it being a huge sensation. If everyone around me is watching it, first of all, that's going to get right. me into it. This is what yeah. came up in our, our last episode of Adam Levine. would have been, yeah, well, I would have pretended to watch it and like it. 
just because everyone else was already watching it. Well, you know, whether or not I actually liked it is a different story. But, yeah, I mean, it's like I was – I comedy – I was a huge purveyor of comedy as a teenager. And there was an explosion of it when we were – specifically when we were teenagers is that they were filling cable with stand-up and comedy. So I have no doubt in my mind that I not only would I have watched this, I would have gone to school the next day and reported watching it with everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, shit, we, we watched Andrew Dice Clay's special. You know, <laughs> yes, which was, we did. Right. That was fun. 1988. That was – 1987, pardon this me. This is our was... second consecutive show where we have Andrew <laughs> Dice Clay. There's a reason to bring well it well to us. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I would have loved it. I, I, Man, I worshipped SNL as a teenager. I watched Saturday Night Live every week. I usually taped it. I repeated all the sketches at school the next day. Uh, yeah, I would have loved this because I liked sketches. And I was a smart enough kid. Yeah, I wasn't racially, I don't want to say racially enlightened, but I just I didn't think much about race as a kid, uh, which is odd because I went to a very mixed race school, at least until I moved when I was 15, and then I went to a very white school. I, I think I would have found it smart and certainly funny. And one thing I didn't say about why I think these sketches are so good and something that would have appealed to me back then is every time I was like, what's the basis of comedy? And the twist ending, you know, the the expectation and surprise. And I, I made a list of like all the Key and Peele sketches I like and more than half of them have a have a twist at the end. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a very basic key, no pun intended, to a lot of really great comedy. And they they know, they know it. And they, they work it unashamedly. Yeah. And good twists, you know? Twists that are a surprise and are funny. So that would have really appealed to me just as it appeals to me now. So yeah, I would have I would have worshipped these guys. I would have thought these guys were the best. I'm glad I didn't get sold because mm. I don't want to be owned by another human being. Whoever buys me, they better kill me the first day. I'm going to go buck wild on the whole operation. Okay. See, now that surprises me. That is interesting to say the least. I mean, well, it just seems like at a certain point, oh it's like, God, do man. they even know what they're looking for? I mean, for? like the whole criteria seems a little, just a little inconsistent. I mean, at some point, I want to be on Lot A. Yeah, can, can a brother get on Lot A? Just what kind of apocalypse is devastating <laughs> the earth on account of Key and Peele, Mr. Noah Tarno? You know, I'm sure there are conservatives who would say, you know, why does everything have to be about race? Uh, I don't agree with that. First of all, it doesn't okay, all have to be about point, race. Yeah. A lot of their sketches are not about race. No. I don't want to. I don't want to give the implication that people don't know them well that every sketch has a racial element to it. It doesn't. I mean, you, you, the geekiness shines through too. Have you seen the one where Peel plays Stan Lee? Oh yeah, that, what a oh, weird, what a weird impression so that is. But funny. it's so great. But it's, it's so, great. It's so stupid. I know. It's so great. you love it. They're they're comic book geeks. You love yeah. that. Uh, didn't Peel write something for Marvel? Uh, it's entirely possible. Uh, maybe a Spider Spider Man thing. Maybe I don't God, know. I, I want to read that. Yes, other people might say, why does everything have to be about race? This makes me uncomfortable. I agree. I disagree 180 degrees. I think race is unavoidable. It's important. It needs to be talked about, especially now. And they talk about it in the right way, at least, you know, within their right way. They well, do, their right yeah. way. If, if yeah. you're going to if you're going to approach it from a comedic perspective, they do it right. Mm-hmm. So, and again, they are an example of the cream rising to the top. So they are not a sign of the apocalypse. They are an antidote to the apocalypse. I'll give you that. Definitely an antidote to the apocalypse. Yeah. And that we are getting the right comedians at the right time. It is dispiriting that, for instance, like a Louis C.K. has these rumors that trail behind him now about sexual yeah. misconduct. We're not going to talk about that. But I feel like looking for comedy heroes 
in the age of tarnished heroes is always troublesome and you know we don't want to go give too much responsibility over to people who are just strictly paid tv guys however this is this looks like a good deal for us i mean this looks right. like the the two right guys you want to see thinking that oh okay if either key and or peel are affiliated with a project chances are that project is probably going to be a winner or at least you're going to see a good shot from either one of them that validates a good piece right. of it that's sort of what i said about keanu and and what you seem to imply about friends from college is that even if the project isn't great they never get dragged down by it yeah they're at, at, at worst, they're a bright spot in a bad project. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't I, even say Keanu was bad, although yeah, I, actually, I read I read some harsh reviews of uh, Friends of College. I didn't yeah, watch it, but I, I, did I, I read too. some harsh reviews. But I'll, I'll just go on record by saying I really, really liked Keanu. I had a, I went into just some, right. it was some lazy afternoon sometime last year. I went by myself to go see it. Had zero expectation just based on the charisma alone. Uh, and I just laughed my ass off. I thought, oh, right. boy, this is so much more than I expected. Fuck up. Who would want to break into your house? The blips. Man, the blips. The blips? These are the guys that were kicked out of the bloods and the crips. The blips. Blood crips, blips. I, I, I got into kind of selling heavier stuff. And when you're selling heavier stuff, turf becomes a thing, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, the 17th Street blips, they did tell me, you know, they're going to break in. But, I mean, that's not like concrete proof. The 17th Street blips. Okay, where are they? 17th Street. There isn't much hate here or no hate here, but do we harbor any jealousy toward Key and Peele? Uh, there's just, I, you know what? No. These guys wind up looking like the Archangels Michael and Gabriel. That, for some reason, <laughs> it's impossible to feel anything. Hey, I'm jealous of the Archangels Michael and Gabriel. <laughs> I, mean, come on. I think it's impossible for me to feel anything other than just completely un, unvarnished, unfettered admiration and just like gratitude. I, I mean, I'm not even saying like, uh, I'm just like, I like them because I'm thankful they're here. It's like, no, they're the right guys at the right time. And the yeah. fact that they, it's, a, it's a sign that something still works the way it's supposed to, yeah. if they can still get to where they're supposed to be. And sure. it's confidence that if they're around, something's going to function properly, just because yeah. that means that there's canny, competent people at the helm. I agree with all that, but nonetheless, I'm still jealous. I mean, all right. fair enough. Yes. You know, the rational mind goes, I'm not jealous. They earned it. They deserved it. But it depends how you define jealousy. Like, yeah, again, I tried to be a comedian. I tried to be the funny guy. I tried to do improv, all these things, and I didn't get very far, and they did get far. So I would love to be in Key and Peele's shoes. Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. I would love to have starred in a Comedy Central show that was uproariously funny and very smart and done a real smart uh, horror movie. Sure. So I'm jealous, but whatever. I mean, I'm jealous of a lot of people. Keep in mind, they kind of came on late you know they weren't really 21 when they got famous they were in their like mid to late 30s that's a big deal no no peel was like 23 when he got on mad tv well all right but I'm he saying, was in his late 20s so no, I'm, but by the time I'm that past they, that my friend by the time I'm not, they, I'm not getting on mad tv that's well sure. i'm not trying to say that make <laughs> you feel better but i'm saying as a phenomenon no. of guys when they hit their peak fame if yeah. they're in the middle 30s you know like that's yeah, that's fine. a pretty big deal like you know usually sure. we, the litmus test isn't to let old men in the game and it's hey. like they managed to sail right past that and at our age, Rodney Dangerfield was a was a suburban dad selling aluminum siding. 
That is true. He had he had tried stand up in his twenties, got nowhere, and then went back into it in his mid forties and became he was Jacob Cohen, and in his mid forties he became Rodney Dangerfield. You know the drill at this point. iTunes, yes. SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. Yes, yes. Look, yes. tweet us at Noah and Bill Show. Email Noah and Bill Don't Get It at gmail.com. Visit yeah. I Don't Get It Podcast.com. Twitter me at William Scurry. YouTube yes. me, AM Caesar. Tarno Noah, say words now. Bigquizthing.com. That's my company. Quiz shows for corporate or private events nationwide. Still booking holiday parties. Get in on it. At Noah Tarno, my uh, 2017 karaoke marathon continues. Uh, or trying to reach 400 songs by the end of the year. And Bill, let's, uh, you know, we, we've gotten some good reviews from people, always looking for more. Where is the best place for people to review us? Uh, iTunes is a great place because it actually uh, helps the algorithm. But also, yeah. you know, this is the show originates on SoundCloud too. So uh, you can look right. for that. SoundCloud is even easier to put reviews. There's almost like a, a more simpler interface for it. But also, we're all over uh, Facebook and Twitter. Like, I, you know, even if it's just anecdotal, these things worth any way you can yeah. get to us, you can get to us. It doesn't matter where we we learned yesterday that um working knowledge of uh, riverdale is helpful to uh get 15 year old girls to talk to you see there so, you go there's jamie i'm Hancock. not saying that yep. something i'm you know that's going to help me i guess maybe i'll pass that info along to my 13 year old uh, nephews so a programming note is that we need to take another gap uh we yeah. apologize for this but there's some unexpected travel no totally totally expected travel but unexpected <laughs> Uh, ability to deal with it so i think yeah. we're going to miss a week or two uh, probably at top we'll, we'll, we'll be back um we i think done in the a lot of episodes bill i think most people out there there's something something in the archives that can tie them over we'll see how it works but yeah. uh yeah yeah so we'll be back uh you know we have a good a whole raft of things we're going to talk about we're kicking around uh, the ricks yeah. and the mortys of the world and yes so yes we got some uh, we got some good stuff so still we'll need see a, still need a kid to walk me through minecraft and then yeah, that one too that. and yeah. if noah finds a kid he's going to walk me through it as well yes. so yeah after a gap we will be back and uh stay tuned for us in mid-november uh, mid and uh we will see you when we get it a production of american caesar enterprises 2017